0: may I encourage you to open your Bibles and follow along with tonight's scripture reading. Um, We're starting actually a few verses earlier in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and reading through to chapter 10, verse 16. You'll find this on page 974 of the Pew Bibles. Matthew 9, starting at verse 35. Let us listen to God's word. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons." Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey, or extra tunic, or sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there, and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Amen.
1: Well, thank you, Karen, uh, for leading us and picking up a few themes that I'm going to develop. And would you turn, please, to Matthew chapter 9 and, more especially, chapter 10? And we will pray. Jesus. Take me. Take us as we are and as you did in your earthly ministry help us to hear and help us to understand and help us to respond and to that end help us in your strength to overcome fear and so be courageous in our faith for your glory. for the extension of your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Just, uh, I was thinking uh, the announcement about if you've been about here for two years, uh, well now, actually, that's fine, but if you've been about here for two weeks, you're also (laughs) welcome to come and have a, you know... we, we. we don't want anyone to say, oh, I haven't been here two years, so therefore I won't come. Please come if you're, uh, if you would like to, I'm not quite sure what, but, but if you'd like to come, come. <laughs> yeah, this cold isn't affecting, is affecting my brain. We, we have come to the fifth in our series on discipleship. And tonight we we come to courage. And the passage given is the first 16 verses in Matthew of chapter 10 of Matthew's gospel. But I want to go a little bit earlier. And I want to do that because Matthew, through the Spirit, highlights, first of all, The compassion of Christ. The compassion of Christ. There there are going to be an awful lot of C's, letter C's, in this sermon. And I hope that doesn't turn you off. They just keep bubbling up. It's my natural talent or something. Anyway, uh, the compassion of Christ. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, had compassion on them. Why? Well, because of their, the, the, the condition of the people around, if you like, of his society. Because they were harassed and helpless. What a wonderful phrase. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When I was preparing this, I thought about that phrase and how it seems to be more and more a description of today's society. We have more and more freedom. The restrictions of traditional morality are being uh, lifted or thrown off. We have more and more choice and we have fewer and fewer who are accepted as leaders. And what is the result of that? We don't know where to turn. Is this generation so much happier than earlier generations? Well, how can one say? But it's not obvious that that is right. People harassed and helpless like sheep with they don't know who to follow they don't know who to follow and then let's look at the content of our lord's ministry Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, so there were Jewish villages, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Preaching and healing. Word and action. That was the ministry of our Lord, focusing on his rule the kingdom the compassion of Christ let's move to the move into chapter 10 and here before i get into this i want to say a word about courage and it was interesting that uh, you and i didn't fall over the fall out over this because i think you were spot on uh, in contrasting courage with fear. Now, we're thinking today on uh, heroism of the First World War and the Second World War and other conflicts, uh, not least uh, our own troubled uh, last few decades. Now, who is the more courageous? Someone who without thought rushes out and does a heroic act of what of one sort or another risking his or her life as compared to someone who's absolutely terrified but still goes out and does exactly the same heroic act who is the more courageous well to my mind, I don't know if it's two years. To my mind, the more courageous is the person who has, in some way or other, overcome fear. Would that be your view too? You better. Thank you, Leslie. You can come back. You're nodding. And it led me to to have a definition of courage for a Christian. Christian courage is faith active in the face of fear. Christian courage is faith active, active faith in the face of fear. And I'm going to follow that now through the rest of this. Uh, of our passage. And then we will see uh, a little uh, five minutes or six minutes on an example of that from one of our contemporaries. The compassion of Christ and now the the commission of the 12. Now, at the end of Matthew's gospel, we have what? Matthew 28, verses 18 (coughs) to 20 are the Great Commission. Well, here we have the Little Commission. I I haven't seen it described as that, but uh, I think it is the Little Commission. Why do I call it uh, the Little Commission? Well, because it is restricted in the numbers who go, in where they go, and in the time that they go. But I'll come back to that in a minute. Let's just expand a little on the idea of fear. Now, at the end of our passage, verse 16, what does Jesus say? I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, Be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He's not sending them out to have an easy time. Sheep in the midst of wolves. Did you see on the paper, was it yesterday, some uh, chicken uh, farmers have discovered the perfect way to protect their chickens from foxes. Did you see this? You don't read the right papers. What they have discovered is they have bought alpacas. You know those funny llamas and alpacas, South American Andean animals. And apparently, they chase foxes. And while it costs them a few bob to buy them... They only need to save six uh, chickens and have paid for them. Well, now, uh, the, the alpacas don't come in here to protect us from wolves. And note how Jesus goes on, verse 17. Be on your guard against men. There's danger, there's fear. Or verse 26, do not be afraid. Or verse 28, do not be afraid. Or verse 22, stand firm to the end. And if we had time to look at the rest of the chapter, which we haven't, let me just mention, what were they facing? They were facing arrest. They were facing flogging. They were facing family betrayal and division. There was fear. There was fear. And Jesus was saying, You've got to face it and you've got to overcome it. Now, let's go back to the little commission and look at the details. First of all, we see he was just commissioning how many? A dozen. Just commissioned a dozen. These twelve, verse 5, Jesus sent out. And earlier he had noted that, uh, uh, that the harvest is plentiful, verse 37 of chapter 9, and the laborers are few, and then called upon them to pray. That he would send forth the Lord, would send forth laborers into his harvest field. Uh, Praying is dangerous, especially if you're praying for people to go and do things. The Adleys discovered that uh, we were praying that people should go overseas and we ended there, which is not what we had expected. And it's what other people pray. Don't think that prayer is a cop-up, cop-out. Say, oh, well, you go and I'll pray. Sometimes it's much more than that. But that's there are so many lovely things I'd love to stop here and <coughs> expand on, but I don't have time. Okay. In verses 1 to 16, we find, I think... Uh, We've looked at explicit fear. And here we see fear, I think, implicit. It's not exactly expressed, but it's bound to be there. And the first reason why they would have... I'm sure they were fearful was this. Look what they were sent to do. He called his, verse 1, his disciples to him, and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Does that sound familiar? Well, it should, because what did Jesus do uh, in uh, three or four verses earlier? He preached the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. The same expression. And then later on he talks about them. As you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he expands the healing ministry. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. So what were the twelve sent out to do? They were sent out to continue the ministry of Jesus. Now, if that doesn't frighten us, I don't know what will. Brother, sister, you and I are being sent out to continue the ministry of our Lord. Is that not scary? And we've already seen that it was restricted just to uh, 12 It was also restricted in its focus. The Great Commission was to the whole world. The Little Commission, in this instance, was to whom? Not to the Gentiles, nor to any village or town of the Samaritans, but to the lost sheep of Israel. For some specific reason, Jesus was confining their ministry on this occasion just to the Jews. Well, sometimes it's better if you have a wider field because there's more chance of you having success. But Jesus is saying, you're only to do it to your own people. And they knew how hard their relatives were going to be scary yes indeed scary and then look on we see that they they're told to have to have their baggage and their support limited versus 9. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Don't take any cash with you. Take no bag for the journey. That's uh, no sandwiches, no, uh, nothing to carry food in. Or extra tunic or sandals or a staff. That means no extra shirt or clean underwear. This is going to be a very uncomfortable mission there we have things restricted and probably worst of all oh and by the way we haven't booked you into a good b and b when you get there what does he say read on whatever town this is verse 11 town or village you enter search for some worthy person now, that's a strange phrase. So strange that worthy comes three times in these next two verses, but the NIV chickens out and doesn't translate it as worthy. only get one. But that's, again, uh, one of my, uh, I feel a rant coming on, so I'll stop. Uh, what's he say? Uh, find someone, uh, uh, and he says, search for someone. <coughs> now, this isn't the normal word for search. This is the word that Herod used when the wise men from the east came and talked about the new king of Israel. And what did he say? He said, search carefully for the child. He wanted a very careful search. And here Jesus says, search for somebody who is worthy that means someone who's going to respond to your message and provide you with bed and lodging now that may not be easy and so you have to search diligently for him that scurry they didn't know whether they would have a roof over their heads yeah And then they bring a blessing. And I'll just mention this. It struck me. When you enter a house, greet them and bless them with, the text talks about, your peace. Well, it's the peace of the Lord. Now, elders and visitors, I was convicted. And I I hope you're going to be convicted when I say when we visit a house or visit a family or just talk to people and pray sometimes with them more often for them. Let's pray that the peace of the Lord will descend on their hearts and on their homes. Granting. Peace from worry, granting contentment, granting faith that will grow. But again, that's parked by the side. The, the next C is community. Community. Discipleship is not about me following Jesus. Full stop. Discipleship is about me following Jesus as a member of a community that is following Jesus. We see the community aspect uh, here in an unusual way when it's the community which the, the, the disciple would in fact discover and encourage and form when he goes to an area when you move into the book of Acts, you find that the, those who were sent out, the apostles and those who were scattered, are often supported by a community that sends them and sometimes of a community where they go. And our passage ends with a reference to the work. Being worthy of his hire. We as a Christian community are called to support one another in whatever we're doing, whatever we're facing, whatever aspect of ministry and service. The Lord calls us to. And that finds sometimes the greatest financial aspect when it's people going to work overseas. And we are called to support them. And that's usually more than just a card at Christmas. Helen will be coming home in a few years' time. The Hueys are out at the moment. Uh, somebody uh, emailed me about Simone and her uh, car needs MOT. And I said, MOT and the mission fund will cover it. Now, don't tell any of the mission action team or whatever its new name is now that I've done that on my own bat but it needs to be done and she has sacrificed a year and shouldn't we be seeking to support her? You know, on the other side it's difficult to receive support. Uh, Ruth and I didn't have to raise our own support the PCI uh, we're supported through United Appeal, and when United Appeal comes up, let's see that we, well, we always do reach our target. But when we were on furlough, it was hard when friends invited you out for a meal, and that was great. But the problem was, we didn't have the wherewithal to invite them. We weren't able to reciprocate because we simply didn't have the resources. Uh, Furlough allowances are... Well, I I tell this story. I used to tell this story to my students when they started muttering about uh, money and so on. And I said, well, you, you gentlemen, they were all gentlemen at that time. Were there any girls? Maybe there were. Anyway, I said to them, uh, at least you didn't have the fact that when we came home, my wife got a job and my salary was cut. How many ministers will take a cut in stipend because the spouse has got a job? Well, those are the little things. Obviously, I still haven't got over this. <laughs> but, 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 but there we are. We have to learn to support and to be supported, and to have it in a very natural way where we see our resources as a loan from the Lord that we are to share with others who are in particular need at that time or other. And that is scary. Okay, we'll come to my last point. And I struggled for a C for this, but I've got one, and Ruth laughed, so please don't laugh. There was compassion, and then what was the second one? Commission, and the third one was community, and the fourth one I'm calling combustion. Now, why am I calling it combustion? It's what gives the motivation, the oomph, to go forward. And I want to start uh, with a little phrase that we often uh, our eye slips over, and I have deliberately slipped over it to this to this point. Uh, verse uh, chapter ten. And verse, the end of verse 8. What does it say? Freely you have received. Freely give. And in the original it's just four words. Freely received. Freely give. And that is the motivation... For Christian service, we have received. And in following Jesus and seeking to serve him, we're not trying to work our way to heaven. We're not trying to show we're better than anybody else. Our motivation is one of profound gratitude. Profound gratitude to the one who gave so much his own self on a cross. Freely, we have received the forgiveness of sins, the joy of Christian service and a wonderful privilege, and we are called to give as freely. So that has to be in the forefront of our mind. Gratitude. Then the other things, and these will help us to find courage. Gratitude. The fact that Jesus, when he calls us to serve him, gives us the authority to do so. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. And the first one mentioned, first Jesus, before he sent them out, asked them, instructed them to do what? To pray. The Lord of the harvest to send laborers to the harvest. Prayer. Prayer, an acknowledgment Of the Lord's authority upon us, and although it's not specified here, His presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. That's all tied up in that. And the limitless, limitless gratitude we should have to the Lord for His limited, for His. Unlimited, I should say, the unlimited gratitude we should have to the Lord for His unlimited grace. And thinking on that, what cause have we to be afraid? We draw encouragement and courage from the Lord. Courage, friend, do not stumble, though your path be dark as night. Trust in God. Trust in God. Let me just finish by reading some verses at the end of Hebrews. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. Worthy person welcoming you. For by so doing some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. And those who are ill treated as if you yourselves were suffering. A marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all who are sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid of what man can do to me. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever what greater basis is there for courage as we follow the Savior? Let's pray. Forgive us, O Lord, that at times our hearts are full of fear. Forgive us that our faith Is so weak that, like the disciples caught in the storms on the lake, we hear your rebuke, but with it comes your compassion. So help us to consider your sacrifice and as we have received. To that same extent, without limit, help us to give. And all to your glory through Christ our Lord. Amen.
2: Let us pray. Father freely we have received your unlimited grace and so freely we want to give back to you this offering of our money tonight we pray that you would accept it and that you would help us to give all that we have and all that we are back to you in service and in worship simply as a response all that you have first given to us. Father, we want to thank you for the compassion of Christ, whose perfect love drives out fear. We thank you that he loved us so much that he gave everything his very own life, that we may be forgiven of our sins, we may have hope for the future and we may have purpose to live now. Father, we thank you that we get to follow you in the midst of this community, that we aren't here to serve you on our own, but that we have each other to encourage, to bless, to inspire and to challenge. Father, would you help us to be a community that does that? Give us the courage to be authentic with each other, to have deep relationships and conversations and to point each other to you. Father, we want to thank you tonight for the particular courage of those connected to us who have gone overseas in order to share your love and your gospel. And so tonight, Lord, we want to pray for Helen in Japan. We thank you for her recent holiday with friends visiting from Northern Ireland, that that will have been encouraging and refreshing for her. Father, we pray for the family she's asked us to pray for, who are having to go back on home assignments sooner than they had planned. We pray that Helen would get an opportunity to meet up with them, and particularly to do some transition activities with the children, and that when they go back, they will settle well. Lord, we know she has a busy week this week, visiting eight different families in order to encourage them and to strengthen them. Father, would you keep her safe? Would you keep her well? And help her to be a blessing to all that she comes across. In particular, Lord, we pray for her as she visits Emery and John Orme. And we pray that she would strengthen them as they deal with Emery's illness and help them to know of your keeping and your care. Father, we pray for a few more team members to sign up for the March Field Conference and that those who do end up going will be able to offer encouragement to the missionaries and their families there. And we continue to pray for the Lighthouse Church as they seek to find a new pastor. We pray for the candidate who will preach next week and ask that you would guide the whole congregation in making the right decision. We also want to pray tonight, Lord, for Peter and Ruth Huey, thanking you for their safe arrival in Niger, and thanking you that the boys have settled well and seem to be enjoying themselves. We thank you for the encouragement they have received during their week at the Galmy Hospital. We thank you for the work that Ruth was able to do in the paediatric clinic, and for the practical help Peter has been able to give in building a powerhouse and installing generators. Father, we pray that as they move on from this happy place, that the boys would settle well in Danja and enjoy it as much. Lord, would you give them the wisdom they need to know how best to serve the missionaries during their time with them? Would you be with them in their planning, their travel, their conversations, and their own walk with you? Father, would you guide them and show them what you would want them to do in their own future? We thank you for Sheila's safe arrival in Nigeria. Would you keep her safe, help her to be a great encouragement to all that she meets and to be at work in her life during her time there. We continue to pray for your blessing on James and Heather Cochran in Portugal and to help them to walk closely with you as they seek to grow their church plant there. Would you give them encouragement and refreshment that they need. And we also want to pray for Simone in Nepal. As her time starts to become closer to the end, would you help her to finish well, to have the time and the space she needs to think through all that she has experienced? Would you keep her safe in her travels and close to you? Father, we thank you for the people we've mentioned and the others that we are connected to who have had the courage to go to the very ends of the earth with the good news of the gospel but father we know that you call each of us to have courage and obedience in different ways would you continue to make us a people who want to play our part in your mission and would you show us in our own lives how you want us to give to pray to serve and maybe even to go in your name we know that the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few Would you help us to be more faithful to your call on our lives? Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you challenge us to live for you and to stand firm to the end. But above all, we praise you that we do that in your name, in your power, and in your strength knowing that you will hold us fast to the very end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.